We can't quit. Not like this. Come on. Man. I know. I, I know. I, I know. Emotions are it. high, man. I get emotions it. are running high right now. I think we need to just take some time and and, and figure it out. Yeah. You know? I, but I, but I need to get out of this building first and foremost, man. Right. I, I need to get out of this building. It's worth thinking about, man. Yeah. That's all, we can it? go home. And, you got like, kids. You got a wife. You got a family. I've been doing this since I was seventeen. That's a long time, man. You I love work. this. I love this. But if it's not going to love me back, I can't be in that relationship anymore. Let's talk. Let's, let's talk. Let's talk. Fine. Let's go. Let's talk. Here. Come on. We got you. Uh, Good. Come on. You got him. I got the jackets. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. We want to smack down. 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 Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to SmackDown. I'm John Pollock, and the the tour of guests continue with waiting off in Hawaii, stepping up tonight on Rewind to SmackDown. Your good friend and mine, Brian Mann, a legend in the Rewind to history. Brian, it is so great to have you on the show and hearing your voice. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's so great. I, I am still around. I do still exist. It's fun to be talking about the year 2019. Uh I want to uh, I want to thank everybody uh, for tuning in. That is checking out uh, tonight's edition of the show. There's a lot to catch up with uh, with Brian. You know, for our listeners, Brian, that have followed you from your torturous days of reviewing Impact to having the the courage to cover the 2008 uh, 2016 presidential election and the yeah. vitriol that brought about and then going back to revisit nitros i mean you are quite the glutton uh but since moving on from the regular podcasting world i know you're heavily involved with complex and their late night show and i just wanted to give all our listeners an update on the life of brian the man uh, yeah, I've been working over at Complex, producing uh, Open Late with Peter Rosenberg, who, uh, you know, if you're a wrestling fan, you're probably very familiar with both his podcast, Cheap Pete, and also being all over WWE. And we just completed our second season uh, last year, did 25 episodes of that. Right now we're on hiatus, uh, getting ready for uh, season three. And during that time, uh, uh, I'm trying to there's not a lot I can talk about that show right now. There's also some other uh, secret projects that I have going on. That I love that you've always to, got uh, confidential stuff. Under, I, I do have wraps. I, I uh, John, I'll tell you after we, we uh, finish recording. It's actually quite exciting. Uh, listeners but, hate uh, that, by the way. They, <laughs> they hate all that stuff. When of, you do oh, that. you're going to tell me off the air. Uh, <laughs> but here, but here's it. Uh, hopefully, I'll be able to to announce some stuff. Um, and what I'm hoping is that by the time uh, WrestleMania weekend rolls around, I'll be able to talk about it publicly at oh. uh, your live podcast taping. There you Look go. I read it to a plug. This is a man that you know has worked in late night television and promo, promo, promo. Working in me and way live in New York, Sunday, April the seventh, the Broadway Comedy Club. Noon Eastern, postwrestling.com slash live for tickets. I have heard a rumor that Brian Mann may be in the house that night. Or that Where'd afternoon. you hear that one from? <laughs> 30 seconds ago. By the way, shout out to Waiting doing the Alistair Black taking time off two weeks before WrestleMania. What a what a move. Are they on is he on their honeymoon? Was he their actual wedding videographer? And that's where he's been this whole time? 
I cannot confirm if he is in Amsterdam as we speak. He has told me Hawaii, but I don't know. Waiting is a man of mystery. So, yeah, he's, he's smart. You take the time off a few weeks out from Mania. That's the way to go about yep. this. Uh, well, we are going to get into uh, the news that is going on, but uh, just a quick uh, refresher for everybody that is tuning in. Uh, this week, the uh, Hawaiian Vacation edition of Post Wrestling This Week. Uh, coming up this week, we're going to have additional interviews with uh, New York Rick of ESPN. That'll be up Wednesday. A new British wrestling experience with uh, Benno and Martin Bushby. Joined by uh, guest Jamesy to chat about uh, some of their live cards that they've attended. Plus, we're going to have Damian Abraham in studio on Thursday. New up next with Braden and Davey. Friday, Way will join us from Hawaii with our monthly Ask Away for our patrons at the Post Wrestling Cafe. And then Sunday, a show right after the New Japan Cup final. So you can catch all of that at postwrestling.com or at patreon.com slash postwrestling. And now that I have that out of the way, Brian, we have uh, much to discuss. And I wanted to start off with uh, the current uh, development of the WrestleMania card because you Mm -hmm. did inform me that you are currently in the mode of keeping up with WWE programming as they lead up to WrestleMania. And uh, without giving too much away because we'll get into a lot of it on SmackDown, but just Mm -hmm. overall, uh, Royal Rumble onwards, what have been your impressions of the key programs setting up WrestleMania? Oh, terribly, terribly booked. Uh, I think you can kind of say across the board. Though I do think I want to talk about specifically the largest program, the women's three-way, which has somehow been both the best and worst booked feud of the year. Uh, Everything on TV has been almost purely, completely disastrous. Uh, I thought the entire explanation of how they killed a month of TV to get from Becky, to get to Becky versus Charlotte, essentially, when really the storyline was written for you. Becky was never officially in the match. Fit Finley uh, overstepped his boundaries, maybe had a little bit of, uh, of Irish bias there. And Becky was never officially in the match. So she needs to actually beat Charlotte to, you know, we'll say she, she, she won the Rumble, but she's not going to WrestleMania. So she has to beat Charlotte. There, simple, easy way to set up that match. You don't have to have weeks of, is she injured? Is she not injured? Are the McMahon screwing her? Why are the McMahon screwing her? Why are they favoring Charlotte over her? And the entire time, Ronda's just sort of standing back there. And when you saw the ending of that match, that it was Ronda interfering, causing a double disqualification, what? why did we not just do... I? They just... They so overthink things over there, and they fret, and they wring their hands over how are we going to fill three hours of time. All of that was terrible. However, I think it's fair to assume that Paul Heyman is currently working on this program. Uh, I think it's fair to assume Paul Heyman probably took over booking this program within the last month or so when it's kind of started to see a little bit of an improvement. And I think everything they've been doing on social media has been brilliant. Uh, They have gotten the most ardent fans completely worked completely built up you know being like oh we hate ronda because she's being so unprofessional because she might hurt our our favorites and that's pretty genius and if you look at it the amount of mainstream attention that this build has been receiving this is going to sound kind of wild angles wwe does on their weekly television is probably the least important building they do for their matches in terms of actually promoting their shows and in terms of actually getting mainstream attention tmz uh uh you know uh espn none of these sites are going to write up 
oh, Vince came out and put Charlotte into the main event. Does this mean Becky's not going to have a title shot? Nothing they do on their television is probably ever going to get the write-ups or attention that the stuff that Ronda's doing uh, has been getting. Because honestly, in the year 2019, if you're trying to get an angle over and if you're actually trying to work people, that's where you got to go. And that's how you got to you know, sort of get the involvement and get the interest because – they're, they're, yeah, they get a lot of money from their television, but it is not the way to actually sell a program anymore. And it's kind of genius that this program has figured that out. Well, it's something that they certainly, I think, have really taken control of over the past six months, I would say, that there's this – you know, and I, I don't want to paintbrush every fan, but there's a, a large fan base that if they read it on Twitter – and it comes out that way that somehow that is not a promo, that it's just – it's something uh, that is distinct from television that those exact same words said in the context of a promo, uh, it matters to people that they see it outside of that. And there's more of a degree of authenticity to um, a promo designed in a tweet versus the verbiage that you may see on television. And there is, I think, that further suspension of disbelief that there's – ounces of reality and also you can see a bit more of the creative freedom in the performers to go on twitter and kind of have a more latitude when it comes to uh singling out their targets and attaching an a semblance of realism to it that gets the overall program across to that audience that much more oh absolutely and i think it just goes to show how compromised the weekly television show is um when they can go on social media where they don't have the you know, they don't sort of have the the handcuffs of having to be three hours, uh, of having to be approved by Vince, of having to be approved by sponsors, of having the sheen of Kevin Dunn production behind it. Um, it just feels legitimate and real. Now, I think the fact that you're seeing everyone being so swept up in this shows how they're dropping the ball on their weekly TV every week. I think they could elicit these exact same emotions, and they came close to doing it on uh, – you know, SmackDown is obviously usually – superior the, the vastly superior in terms of the booking uh, a lot of times but if you look at the the feeling in the becky versus um charlotte promo segment we had tonight it felt cheap it felt hacky uh nothing that was done or said in that promo uh or in that entire segment including a two minute you know pull apart is going to be written about or 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 i guess shared as much as a Becky Lynch tweet where uh, she had a great one a day. It was just Charlotte tweeting out a gif of herself saying Miss WrestleMania and Becky retweets it and says, everyone wishes you would. That is such better, you know, <laughs> pr- program. And, and that's easier to spread and easier to share and easier to wrap your mind around. And it's just been amazing how well this feud has been built up on social media and how they've used that leverage and how they've, I don't know who it was. I'll give Heyman credit. It may or may not be him, but that someone finally got to Vince and realize, hey, here are the benefits of doing this build on on social media. And that's, to me, where it feels like the real heart of this angle is happening. The stuff they do on TV, whatever. That's how we kill three hours. That's how we make our money from these big you know, television networks. But when it comes to actually getting people emotionally invested in the storytelling, it's happening on social media. Yeah, and it, it comes at a time as well that it, it's interesting because there has never been less – incentive to make sure that you get that that generational superstar that it is such a 
you know, we, we look at the structure of television and there's the perception that it's extremely micromanaged. And with the guaranteed television contracts that they do have, the opposite would be to look at that the television, maybe you would provide more of that latitude because this is no longer the business of getting that red hot star that's going to be able to go to all of the live events and build up to the monthly pay-per-view. And that's where we're going to be making our money. That's no longer the the big pillar of your revenue. It's now – it's guaranteed television and it, it's not so incumbent on having these, these tightly crafted performers. Um, but instead, I feel that it's just the way it's been done for so long. It's kind of creatures of habit and that's the system that we find ourselves watching. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that WWE is charting new paths and is really there, – there's some trailblazing going on in terms of their business practices. But even if you look at the three-hour Raw, which they've now been doing for, what, six years? They still haven't figured out how to do a three-hour TV show. Uh, when you look at tonight versus last night, it's so clear that Raw is a two-hour show that is stretched out over three hours. And if you look at the network uh, era, I don't think that they've really – adequately adjusted their business model to uh to to to, i guess to to having these monthly specials that need to be four hours again it feels like they're just doing their old model but stretching things out so it's very interesting to see how they're charting these these new um you know sort of charting this new way of doing business kind of half cocked uh to, to to be honest uh when they even went into having the network it was sort of a risk it was a gamble and that just sort of seems to be the way they approach everything nowadays the stuff that they've been doing and always been doing they are experts at they you can't tell them uh how to fix that but when it comes to trying something new um i don't know it's a little shaky so after we review smackdown we'll quickly uh run through the updated wrestlemania card but um yes. some some news um i know that uh Wrestling Observer and PW Insider uh, reported on this already, but I did confirm today. The plan right now is Kurt Angle, Baron Corbin at WrestleMania. That is the destination that they are moving towards. So, um, yes, it is a unique build, to say the least, that it is (laughs) – the story is that nobody wants this match except for Kurt Angle. Uh, Yeah, um, I don't even know if Barry Corbin wants this match. It was so weird tonight because they – and for you to say that because even in the show tonight when they're running down the matches, like, yo, social media is pissed off that Baron Corbin's getting this match. Um, it literally – all it can feel – all it feels like to me is Kurt wins this match in like two two minutes or so. Um, and then, then you know, John Cena's music hits and out comes Cena and goes, that doesn't, that shouldn't be your last match. That you deserve better than that for your last match, and then they have a match for like five minutes or something like that. Um, that like Cena wins. Um, I don't know. So, like it, it, it is such a weird choice to go with, and I feel like they've they've dropped the ball on Kurt's entire return. Um, but I also wonder how much they honestly wanted to capitalize on it. It didn't seem like they were fully interested in being in the Kurt Angle business the last two years. Uh, I will say that um, the latest I've heard is. Uh, consistent with what's been said, that um, there is a plan for John Cena at WrestleMania. I don't know if it's going to be a actual match, if it's going to be kind of a gets involved and there's physicality, but there is a scheduled plan for Cena at WrestleMania. I'm kind of torn on the Kurt Baron Corbin thing, um, just because I think that putting a match together with any kind of expectation 
you know, maybe this is the safest bet with Kurt Angle of 2019 that it's a short enough match. You hope that there will be some heat because it's Baron Corbin and Kurt can get his victory and the happy moment. And there's no expectation of a classic Kurt Angle match. Whereas if it were Angle and John Cena, I think that comes with expectation. If it was Angle and Samoa Joe, it is with that expectation. And I just don't know if Kurt is in you know the the right condition at the moment to be able to pull that off for people and you risk sending people home disappointed i agree you you almost kind of want in this scenario and they don't really have the heel in waiting uh, i think if they're doing drew mcintyre they might be able to do this but in a perfect world you almost kind of want to see a match similar to the one Cena and Brock had at that SummerSlam 2014, where Brock just destroyed Cena. Cena gets almost no offense. That's kind of the match you want here, where, like, Angle's not doing any high risks. He just sort of sells for a while, and the audience is kind of in shock that he's being so completely decimated by a uh, by a heel like this. You know, if they had a if Lars Sullivan was actually around or if Drew was free or if they're actually pushing, you know, EC3, I think that would be an interesting story to tell because I do agree that that he's not uh, the same Kurt Angle he was three or four years ago. And WWE clearly doesn't seem too invested in him having a quality match or else they would be giving him these last couple weeks off instead of having him, you know, wrestle a retirement tour doing 10-minute matches every week. So, you know, I, I... I'm a huge Kurt Angle fan. Uh, he's probably my favorite WWE performer. Um, and to see him go out like this is kind of, you know, I just, I just wish they had better utilized in the last two years. And I wish they had a better plan for him here at the end. Other than if they go through with what they have here, it's like, oh, we're going to give him Baron Corbin. They're going to be pissed off. But doesn't that mean he's over as a heel? And it doesn't. Uh, Raw on Monday night, it ended up doing 2,695,000 viewers, so they were down 4% from last week, and they were back to the usual pattern where it was the first hour doing the strongest and then dropping in the second and third hours. Um, So WrestleMania season, uh, that's kind of where – this was also – I mean, how much uh, stock, uh, Brian, do you put into that number – around no Roman Reigns on this show, even though I think if you're watching that show, you are expecting Roman Reigns at the end of that show. Yeah, it definitely felt that way. And I mean, it also, we've been conditioned that people don't take time off if they're selling an injury. We've just been conditioned that for the last couple of years now. What I think is interesting and what really doesn't get discussed enough is, you know, WWE loves to tout that social media number, that they have a billion social media followers around the world. I am inclined to think that that is actually directly uh, led to a decline in television ratings because they are posting every single segment of the show as it happens on social media. So for me, I'm always aware of what's happening on on Raw and SmackDown. I just have my phone out. And if I see something kind of interesting happen, well, odds are they probably posted a minute-long clip of it. Um, When I was actually in at WWE, and this would have been 2011, I mentioned this trend, and everyone sort of laughed and said real fans would never do that. Now, have you heard that, of tout, Brian? <laughs> uh, it's the next the thing big thing. Would, and and, and th- I was saying this back at a time when they were putting everything up on YouTube when the show was over. Now they're doing a thing where they're putting everything up on Twitter in real time. So it's not even a situation where you have to wait. You're receiving everything as it's happening and in a more um, 
in a more digestible form and in a way that is a lot more uh, appealing to me because it allows me to do other things. I don't have to just sit around and hope something good will happen. If anything good happens, I'll I'll see about it right there. I'll be aware of it. So you mentioned that that drop in that after that first hour. I wonder how many of those people that tune in for the first hour are still paying attention to the show. They're just not watching it. And quite frankly, that's what happened to me on Monday. I started the show. Uh, I thought there was some pretty okay stuff. Once they hit that 8.30 uh, dip that's pretty much been reserved for Finn Balor and whatever Bobby Lashley are doing for the last two months, I switched off. I I, I watched uh, – I just actually just honestly started watching Netflix and had uh, my phone out. And if something cool happened, I watched the recap. You just gave the most millennial review of a WWE viewer <laughs> in 2019, Brian. <laughs> Listen, it's, it's, it's easier. It's easier to do. Uh, one other topic I want to discuss with you, because, um, you know, you can speak about this from a very unique perspective, having been there at an interesting time in mm-hmm. 2011, when, if you remember, they were hoping to launch this WWE network in 2012. Now, it oh, didn't I'm get up open. and running until 2014. And the original concept was an actual channel and not a streaming service. And I I'm just looking at the UFC's deal this week with ESPN Plus, where uh, ESPN Plus will become the exclusive U.S. distributor of pay-per-views, where you have to buy ESPN Plus just to have the opportunity to spend another $60 every month for UFC pay-per-views. And I'm kind of curious, as you were there at the very early stages of the development of the WWE Network and seeing mm-hmm. how they launched it, that I think the, the WWE um, – Many people feel, well, they were really ahead of the curve, and I would argue maybe they were too far ahead of the curve because they they went all in where it's $10 all in for all the pay-per-views, and the UFC, it seems like they have struck an incredible deal here for themselves where they are getting paid an enormous amount of money from a third-party site and still going to have a cut of all of their pay-per-views, which are still uh, priced at $60 a show. Yeah, so when I was there in 2011, uh, the network was very much known to be a thing. Um, They had a full team of people that was staffed up coming up with shows, getting this thing launched. Um, It had some special project name. I remember it was called Project Green Thumb or something like that, Uh, people who were just working on on that. And at the time, yes, it was supposed to be an actual broadcast network. And I remember when I was there being like, that's really not the way to go. Like, that's not the future. That's not, I mean, people are getting rid of cable. They're not looking to add additional channels onto a cable subscription. So really not the way to go. But when I was there, the writing team was being tasked with coming up with original shows for the network. Shows which, by the way, you would not receive uh, any residuals for or created by credit. But hey, go ahead and make them. Um, That's where Legends House, uh, the idea for Legends House came from. Also, the idea for Total Divas came out at the time, which... Trivia note was originally supposed to be called Heels on Wheels, but that changed oh, wow. <laughs> for the better. Um, and so I left. Um, and then a couple months later, this is January. Heels uh, on Wheels. Heels wow. on Wheels. Uh, and then a couple and, – oh, and Big Show was supposed to have like a cooking show. That was one thing. And I remember at one point we were like even pitching this idea of like 
it was supposed to be like legends were going to have like wrestlers that they coached. I don't know. There's this whole other thing. It was like kind of going to be like a documentary version of NXT. Um, but again, that never happened. Uh, and then in January 2012, I don't remember if you remember this, there was a ad on WWE programming announcing the WWE Network coming to cable in oh, with, April. With that dubstep uh, with the cinema. Dubstep thing, I remember said, that's that Network ad. launching in April. And I was like, oh, wow, I guess they secured you know a deal and i like texted someone at the company i was like wow what like what are the details like when does this thing happen like oh we have not secured anything at all (laughs) and then what was it it was like the end or middle of 2013 early 2014 like two years after this promo and then it's like 2013 they're like ah we're actually going to do a streaming thing and i was even like okay that is smart like that is the way to go um when i was there i think the idea was that like half of the monthly specials were going to move to the network um and they would just be, you know, sort of the the lower tiers, you know, the unforgivens, the roadblocks. Not, but SummerSlam, the major ones would still be on pay-per-view. Now, looking at what ESPN is doing, I think that probably would have been the smarter thing to do when it came to WrestleMania. I, I get that they wanted so many people to sign up there in the beginning, but they've essentially gotten to a point where they can't go back. I don't think they can ask people to pay for WrestleMania anymore versus, you know – Maybe when it had first launched and they had said the only way you can see WrestleMania is through the is, you know, with the WWE uh, network. But I don't, I don't know. It's weird. It's like if you also go back, remember you, you 2014, they had like Jerry Lawler explaining how to download an app on your phone. So like it was such a different era that maybe the idea of they were just afraid of explaining to people, well, you have to download this app and you have to sign up for a subscription. Then you have to pay us more money on top of it. So you know, just being a company led by a seven-year-old man, they might have gotten just a little skittish when it came to the tech, the technology side of it. And maybe they were ahead of the curve. Uh, maybe the the thing they should have done was launch the day after WrestleMania and use WrestleMania as this big sort of like advertisement for the network. But they wanted the biggest number out of the gate. Um, and I don't think there's any cur- turning back now. When you look at how much money they're making off these TV deals, great. Who knows? Maybe maybe it all worked out for 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 the better. Um, uh, I was concerned the last TV deal would be the last one at that level. And, hey, look, they have increased it greatly. So something's working. And I think that when it comes to the uh, the consumer, I would think – I would actually say the WWE network price point is probably the best thing they have going for them in terms of satisfying their audience. Yeah, I, I think that when the launch came, I think there was certainly a – you know, just uh, – you just look at the market and I think it was just the fear of – doing anything above Netflix. And I think what the WWE had going for it is that you have an audience that is trained to spend however much WWE pay-per-views were going for on a monthly basis at that point, like $50. I'm trying to remember what they were even priced at by the end. And I think for HD, they were like 55. Right. That sounds right. Mm-hmm. That if you were to... You know, nine ninety nine, but on top of that, it's X amount for your biggest pay per views. I I'd be curious of like how much resistance there would be from a fan base that is going to just accept that it may have been overall it's less than fifty five dollars I'm spending a month and I'm getting all these archives and I'm getting all this extra programming and the pay per views are now well it works out to I'm spending twenty dollars a month instead of fifty five. Uh, but instead, they went hard with the nine ninety nine price point, and mm-hmm. I'm with you. I don't think you can uh, put the toothpaste back into the tube at this point and go back to pay per view. Um, I but do I think, think enough pr- time. Enough the time tiered system is probably the most you can look at now for a segment that would be willing to spend a bit more. 
I would say tiered, or I do think enough time has passed now that you could increase the price. I think people are used to that with Netflix doing that. I think they very easily now could move up to an eleven ninety nine or even a thirteen ninety nine um, at this point. You bring it pay per view, and to give you another very millennial perspective, um, I've never had cable as an adult. I've never paid for cable. I've never had a cable subscription service. So whenever a pay per view would come along that I wanted to watch, it really wasn't easy. To order pay-per-view. WWE had like an online pay-per-view service you could buy, but the video quality wasn't that great, and you didn't get any replay uh, after the fact. You know, you'd pay $60 for this digital file that didn't look super great and would lag, and that's kind of it. So for me, even when I was in a position to want to spend money on pay-per-view products, it wasn't that easy for me to do so. Now, if it was a situation where the WWE Network was $10 a month and I had to pay $20 a month for WrestleMania, I probably would do it. They probably could still get me to do that. Um, But again, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. So the best they could probably do right now is add, um, is just add a couple more dollars to that subscription service. Do you um, just regularly subscribe to the WWE network? Do you not subscribe to it? Or do you kind of pick and choose times of the year that you might sign up for it? Uh, I will take my answer off air to that question. (laughs) Granted. All right. Well, uh, I was curious about uh, a number of that, having been there uh, yourself in the developmental stages of what has now grown into the WWE Network. But Tuesday night, we head to SmackDown Live from the Banker's Life Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, Indiana. And The Miz starts the show. He comes out and he is cheered, throws to a video recapping Shane's attack at Fastlane and then his promo last week. And Miz says how he's been laser-focused on the road to WrestleMania for the last decade. He's taken shortcuts. He's taken advantage of people. And aside from his wife and daughter, he has sacrificed every relationship he's had. And that's what his friendship with Shane McMahon meant to him. And he only wanted to make his dad proud. And he was warned about Shane. This guy is totally different behind the scenes, Miz was told. And Miz didn't believe them, but he turned out to be wrong, and he was attacked and brutalized in front of his 68-year-old father, who was out there calling for help for his son, and Shane's this vile and disgusting individual, just like your father. Shane was not born the best in the world, you were born the worst. And they may own the company, they don't own him, and he says you can deny his work ethic, You can't deny his work ethic because he works harder than anyone. And he says, quote, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard enough. And he has. Yes, admitting that he is not talented. (laughs) He did state this. He says he works hard, but he is not as talented as everybody else. Which, by the way, would work if he was in a match against like Randy Orton. But he's in a match against fucking Shane McMahon, who has neither hard work nor talent. So I don't know why that line was brought up. He said that he had to earn his dad's love and he had to earn the fans' respect. And after 13 years, he thinks he has earned it. And the crowd starts chanting, you deserve it. Says, damn right I do. And Shane deserves an ass whooping at WrestleMania. Uh, All in all, I will say that I I am always leery of The Miz in babyface mode. But I I thought he cut a pretty good promo here. And I think that the buildup for Miz and Shane uh, will be pretty good for WrestleMania and it's the match that I think should be 10 minutes tops, and God knows it'll probably go like 18 because Shane's going to have to do something insane. Yeah, I 
I thought this was a fine audition for Marine Seven. Uh, he he. I mean, it, listen, it was a great promo, and it even got me on his side because at the be- I, I just have never bought in to this storyline really i mean i i think both guys have given good performances i think it's been uh, a well-told story it's a story that that is intriguing but at the end of the day it is the miz and shane mcmahon and the chemistry just doesn't feel like it's there and knowing that eventually it has to lead to a match that i do not want to see i can sit back and appreciate the performances and the segments but to me it's like imagine if this match was instead you know, Miz and a tag team partner that you actually cared about and could invest in and wanted to see a match at the end of the day. Like if this had been him and Morrison back in the day or something like that. But when it's Shane McMahon, and I love Shane McMahon as a heel. I love old gassed Shane McMahon calling himself the best in the world. I think that is great. I just don't know if Miz is the guy to go with. And when they first started teasing this heel thing all the way back in, you know, Survivor Series, I was hoping that they were going to do a thing where, like, I would have been fine with Shane getting the title. I would have been fine with Shane getting the title and Daniel Bryan is a babyface one in the Royal Rumble and all the history between those two. I would have been fine with that. But this just doesn't feel like the way to capitalize off the big Shane McMahon heel turn, nor does their storyline feel like something I was ever able to fully invest in. Both guys have played their roles perfectly. um, But, yeah, I'm not looking forward to a match between the two of them, even at 10 minutes. Um, And actually, I was going to ask you – if we want to continue uh, the, the the booking game that you started last night, where on the card do you think this match is? Ooh. See, I could see this one going earlier. Like, um, I could see this opening the show, unfortunately. Wouldn't shock me. Um, yeah, I, I could see it being like third or fourth, like that early. Okay. Um, maybe first hour. It's ridiculous and, and I, that we're looking at um, – you know, first hour of the main card. So that would, what, be hour yeah. three by that point. Which is, by the way, part of the reason why I'm not actually going to WrestleMania this year. <laughs> I don't want to be in that building for that long, uh, knowing that I then have another hour and a half to actually get back into real New York, uh, not uh, the Meadowlands. So I I don't – this is – so. You mean you don't reside in New York, New Jersey, as my WWE geography tells me it's a shared state? Actually, no, I live I live in the middle of the river. Uh, I live right there. Uh, no, what's so interesting to me uh, with Miz, and this is another thing that actually came up when I was, again, at WWE, how I think Miz is one of these guys, and this was even mentioned when I was there. This was after you know his title run, and how Miz is a guy like Edge. I think he's perceived how Edge was kind of perceived before the Mick Foley match. Uh he has – or how Triple H was perceived before, again, his Mick Foley match. Miz has never really been able to have those matches that have made people really believe in him and buy into him. And that's why – for a few reasons, why he always feels like he's playing pro wrestler. Um, and I feel like if he were able to have more of the crazier – Shane match like this is one match that I actually really wish was no DQ or false count anywhere or something like that and I think they could really you know play around maybe Miz does like one or two crazy stunts that when you leave you go wow that guy really that guy really risked it like I really can buy into this guy now he's not just playing wrestler Um, I think this is that would be something where it could benefit the Miz in the long run but I think him getting a um, you know a so so win out of Shane McMahon doesn't do much for him almost to the extent that if it's me I think Shane should win this match because I think there's longer term uh there can be a longer term payoff in building up Shane the heel 
Well, I'm also looking at this show, Brian, that in so many of these matches, you lean towards like the big baby face win, whether it's Seth, Becky, uh, Triple H and Batista, um, Kurt Angle. Um, you know, it's those are a lot. Uh, Kofi Kingston uh, with Daniel Bryan. Like you have all these baby face wins that are lined up that uh, those are not all playing out as advertised with the baby face going over. So I think you are going to get some uh, surprise finishes or maybe not such big surprises. So I could very well see Shane winning this uh, and coming out of WrestleMania as kind of the, the dominant heel presence on SmackDown. Yeah, I think there's a lot to play with there. Um, and at, and honestly, as he gets older and slower, the more it'll play into him being a good heel. Uh, our first match was Sasha Banks and Bailey against the Iconics in a non-title match. The Iconics cut a promo that Bailey and Sasha look small and scared and joke that their parents bought their way into an Ivy League school. Good line. A, a week too late, but good line. A bit, a bit late on it. Um, I was may- waiting for maybe that um, there would be uh, a high five emoji. <laughs> if we're going to keep things uh, very, very current. And they went back to their nest of NXT to feel important and then got chased off of Raw by Nia, Tamina, Natalia, and Beth Phoenix. And now they're coming to face the best team in unfamiliar territory. So this was, uh, this was unfamiliar territory, Brian, this complete unknown that is SmackDown Live. It's so different here. Although apparently this was the first time they've competed on this brand. I guess it's the first time they've competed on the show since the word live was added to it. Yep. Once you're under yeah. the blue lights, it's a, it's a different game. Very different. Bailey had the advantage on Billy Kay, and then Lacey Evans uh, strutted out. Uh, Lacey Evans isn't announced for anything for WrestleMania, and I, I don't know what her position will be at WrestleMania, but I could really see her announcing that she's debuting at WrestleMania and wins the women's battle royal and calls herself the – she can then proclaim herself the lady of WWE. I think that that would be an easy way to debut her and someone that gets something out of that completely forgettable battle royal. And you just have to forget that she was in uh, – Was she in last year? She, she was in the the women's Royal Rumble this year. <laughs> you just have to oh, Jesus. That she was in the Royal Rumble. I'm and not even going back so a year. Bad, they decided let's not have her wrestle. That's right. She was, she was like number two in the Rumble. Honestly, oh no. God. If she's going to be in the, Royal, in the Rumble, here's what you do. You have her walk out, walk halfway down the aisle, walk back. Everyone assumes she's not in the match. And then she fully walks down the, the aisle at the end. That, that's that, the that's only not bad. Off to this. That's the only thing you can do. Um, I mean, yeah, because it seemed like they were setting her up for Asuka. They even like kind of shot an angle and then have just dropped that. Although I will, she did something in this match I've never seen before. She did the distraction into a commercial break. I assumed she was going to distract Bailey on the pin, but no, Bailey kicked out and they went to a commercial break. So I guess I guess that's our tease. When we come back, will she still be standing out here? The director was fully engaged here and just uh, <laughs> caught off guard through the break. We came back and. The tag is made to Sasha. She's in with uh, Peyton Royce, hits the Meteora, Kay makes the save, and then Banks yanks Billy Kay off the apron to the floor, and Billy Kay boots Bailey in the face, and Bailey is out cold from this boot, and Peyton Royce then stacks Sasha in the ring as Billy Kay holds her arm down for leverage, pinning Sasha so the Iconics get the victory, and it was not announced uh, that uh, what the women's title match will be at WrestleMania, but... I think that this has to mean we're getting at least uh, four teams minimum with the Iconics added to this match. 
Yeah, I mean, oh my god, blank pin to the champions is a, a, a trope in WWE. But I, I gotta say, one of my all-time favorite like things in wrestling, and WWE does not do it enough, are champions who can appear on multiple brands. I love it. I think it's such a great storytelling device. And yeah, I think if we get these four, that's probably where, where, where you'll cap out, because I can't really see them at the eight, last Eight people minute. is enough for this match. Eight people is enough. I can't see them at the... At, at the eleventh hour, throwing in Trish and Lita, which it kind of feels like that's what they were holding out for, and they just weren't able to bring it all together. Plus, they have to have, you know, a lot of bodies for that um, for that Women's Royal Rumble. So these four in this match, I like it um, personally. If I had to predict um, or what I prefer, I hope the Iconics come out of that match, uh, winning it, and then Sasha and you know, I think just Sasha and Bailey are better uh, at, as singles at this point. I think them being the first winners of the of the title really gave it some credibility, and that's good for the record books. But I think it's probably better to get it onto uh, an, a, a, a more cohesive team like the Iconics at this point. Kayla was backstage with Rey Mysterio, and then they reenacted uh, Vince McMahon and Andre the Giant because Rey was standing <laughs> next to his monstrous son, Dominic. The return of Dominic to SmackDown after 14 years. You say monstrous. He's probably like 5'7". He's probably – With the other exactly. people in the frame. <laughs> <laughs> this guy towered over his father. And Rey announces that he is getting the United States title match against Samoa Joe at WrestleMania. Dominic calls Joe a bully. And he's going to be seated in the front row to watch Ray take care of bullies and bring home another title. So I don't know what happened to that automatic sellout at WrestleMania that Dominic scored a front row ticket to. He must be uh, – maybe Lori Laughlin got him some tickets. I don't know. But uh, this screams angle with Joe and Dominic, and I'm all for it. I think, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I'm on board for it. And you mentioned uh, – it's so funny. You mentioned that um, – uh, how much bigger Dominic is. That reminds me of a story I once heard, like Dean Malenko. T- I think he told it on like a podcast, but like uh, Dean Malenko told a story where Dominic came with Ray to like a TV taping one day, but Ray had his mask off and he looked so young. He says, Oh look, Dominic brought his son with him this week. <laughs> uh, and it, I, I, I like the idea of doing an angle with Dominic. Uh, this was maybe the, fucking wettest fart of a way to announce this match <laughs> i would have preferred if they'd actually shot an angle rather than ray back it's almost like they got to tv this week and they're like and we'll get to this in the main event but they're like oh man we announced a gauntlet match last week um we don't really want to beat any of the guys in the match and we also have to set up programs for some of these guys so like you have ray mysterio backstage being like hey here's my son and uh yeah I- i'm gonna face joe and that was it i just it's I hate whenever you just like just blah out a match like this. Let me have. An I, I think that let, the gauntlet let me, let me really something. handicapped a lot of what they probably wanted to get out on this show. That we'll just have to wait for next week. I mean, that gauntlet just ate up so much time on this show. Yeah, and it's weird because if you think about like up until that Seth Rollins performance, gauntlet matches were usually like fifteen minutes. People are taking pins in two minutes. Now they realize like, oh, we can fill an hour with this thing. And and again, not to get ahead of ourselves, we'll get to it there. Um, I'm. Great. I want to see an angle with Dominic. That being said, Joe Ray is not the match I would have done for either of these guys. Um, I personally would have been a lot more intrigued by Kevin Owens and Joe, uh, especially if we're trying to get Owens over as a babyface. But, uh, you know, that is what what it is. But, hey, listen, if Dominic and Joe get to do something weird, uh, cool. Let's see what they do. I thought for sure that this U.S. title was going to end up as a multi-person. Multi-man, yeah. 
do you feel with this announcement, uh, assuming that Joe and Mysterio is the match that happens, uh, is that bad news for the likes of Owens, Andrade, and Mustafa Ali, who, I mean, by process of elimination could be in that battle royal? Yeah, I would have to say so. I mean, if I had to guess, everything we're seeing with Kofi right now probably was initially earmarked for for, for Ali, um, especially kind of hearing how much uh, Brian really wanted to make a new baby face right now uh, and a younger baby face at that. So, yeah, I think a lot of guys are going to be hurt. I mean, as soon as you introduce Dominique uh, into this angle, it's really got to be one-on-one. You can't have, like, four people and two of them want to win a title, and one of right. them is getting like blood revenge for his son. So Kevin Owens was out for the Kevin Owens show. Corey Graves noted that Kevin badly needs a stylist. Owens says every year he's called it KO Mania, but not this year because it's all about Kofi Mania, and that was probably the saddest statement um, from a guy <laughs> that um, may have been in line as Brian's opponent this year and uh, currently doesn't have anything Um at least announced yet for WrestleMania. Can, can we just say up front, I found Owens terrible in this. His l- delivery was Ray Combs at WrestleMania 8. He is trying to do this. He's trying to be like glib babyface, and it's just the absolute worst move for this guy. You can make him a babyface, but he's not this babyface. I think he was he was trying his best here as kind of, yeah, you're, he, w- he was essentially playing like Jerry Springer here in the middle uh, to try and just amp up this big brawl at the end of it. Uh, Becky and Charlotte come out, and Owens mentions how friendships can go wrong sometimes, and he just starts reading over all their comments and basically says, you guys have said a lot of stuff. No one wants to hear you guys talk anymore. They just want to see you fight. So on command, they got up, and they just brawled. They brawled over the desk. They brawled to the floor. Becky fought off security, and then they separated them. Um I I feel that there is certainly something to be said about having all this time until WrestleMania that I think the Kofi thing falls into that too, that you just, you have so much television to cover that you, you have to go to the well with, with stuff like this. Like it's, it's not, did this program need this segment? Definitely not, but we need to fill 15 minutes on SmackDown and these are two of our stars. So this was what we got. Yeah, but I also feel like we're at that point now where we could be doing the, you know, give me, and maybe they'll do this eventually, give me the Rock and Austin sit down backstage. I think that this program warrants it, or or a series of sit down interviews with these three women. Um, I think this this idea that you've always got to do something out in the ring um, is always best. I, I think you, you got they got to rethink their formula. And I think that there's better ways to do this. And again, had you told more of a straightforward, you know, Becky versus Charlotte storyline over the past month and then really started to heat things up with the proper three-way storyline starting now. And maybe for the past month you have all three people just kind of cutting promos against each other individually and like, okay, which match are we going to get? And now that it's here, now things could really be peaking. It feels like the storyline actually peaked a month ago. And now we're just spinning our wheels because it's, oh, well, these two are going to cut promos and then this person's going to be on just the other show doing their own thing by themselves. And in all of this, even though Becky's supposed to be the biggest star because she is the big baby face, Rhonda's really coming across as the bigger star because she's what she's doing right now feels like it's larger than the other two because she's not messing around with them. 
she does feel the hottest at the moment of the three. I, I thought her segment was great on Monday. Yeah, and I think you could have. I, I just I would prefer to see these three women being kept separate and being built up. And the times when they are around each other is big, and it's another trope. But I love it. I love the um, I, I love the you cannot touch stipulation, and I feel like. These three should have been given that right now. I think if you had Vince come out or Stephanie, whoever, and said, this is the biggest, you know, this has the potential to be the biggest main event in, Russell, in, in WrestleMania history. Uh, you guys are, you know, you, you have lost control on social media and you cannot, we can't keep you from tweeting, but you cannot touch each other before WrestleMania. I think that's where this show, where this feud needs to be. And then they're just allowing it to boil over and they're just attacking everyone else to get their aggression out. I think that would be interesting. But again, just a, this brawl was nothing. It filled time. And when it was over, did it make you more excited? No. No, it was it was a holdover segment to get them on the show. And I don't, I don't feel th- this, you know, a- added anything. I think it was just a segment. And what's the point of this whole Becky injury thing? Like, no one believes that it's real. And any storytelling use it has is like, I don't know. I just That whole element of, of the whole, it just, it makes no sense to me. I don't know why, why they're doing it. It feels like... Some, like something legitimate will happen, and then they're like, "Well, let's recreate it and drive it into the ground," which essentially is what it feels like they're doing off of the injury she had last year. Kayla was backstage with AJ Styles and asked AJ that Randy Orton was built for WWE. So, what makes you think you can beat him? What a question! Styles, oh, <laughs> Styles said idioms on idioms here. <laughs> He Not went over all of Orton's said. credentials. He called Randy great and said, Orton is a first-round draft pick, and I'm a walk-on. But look at me now. I didn't get all the advantages Randy did, and I'm not coming to build. I'm coming to tear the house down. And he wishes Kofi good luck. Yeah, I'm AJ Styles, and I suck. Why am I here? He's a uh, walk-on. Listen, I think this is going to be a, a great match. Again, this is... Similar to Batista and uh, and Triple H, um, the fact that they held off announcing this match has helped them. All you need to really do is announce the match. Uh, the promo exchange they had last week was great. Maybe they get their hands on each other uh, once. Listen, listen, it's uh, the simplest build is the best for a match like this. I'm looking forward to this match. I think they'll they'll be great. Yeah, and I, I you know, kind of playing off Miz and um, and Shane. What do you think? What do you think we get out of this? Because if it's me, if I had to guess, I think AJ probably loses this, goes away for a while, or maybe gets drafted to a different brand. Um, and then, I, I could see this being the year they they flip him over to Raw. Yeah, I, I think that's the way to go because I I fully see Ronda or or Roman coming to SmackDown uh, if it's kind of supposed to be the A show on on Fox. Um, and then I think Randy is a great first opponent for Kofi if he wins the title. Daniel Bryan and Rowan come out, and Bryan uh, rants on injustice, and Kofi being in the gauntlet being an injustice. He doesn't deserve this opportunity. He said Kofi was chosen to replace Mustafa Ali and handpicked out of the tag division, given this opportunity he never earned, and he fought valiantly, but he lost. He earned nothing, and unlike him, Kofi is a B-plus player, and B-plus is just not good enough. And like clockwork, he got this Kofi chant started with the crowd. Mm-hmm. Crowd seemed uh, very energized to just get behind Kofi for the next hour as the New Day came out and the gauntlet began at nine o'clock and it went the duration of the show. Yeah, you know, you knew it was coming. Uh, I will say this Brian promo 
proved a kind of unpopular opinion that I've had for a while, uh, which is that the heel Daniel Bryan is a great performer, but his gimmick is not a main event gimmick. Uh, it feels very mid card. Uh, it's performed well, but it be never... careful. I was very negative when he introduced this title, and I, and I got some vitriol oh, from people. I love the title. Don't get me wrong. I love the title. Um, but now that it's WrestleMania season and it's time to sell the big match, he's not. He's you know he's not blasting them for being you know wasteful with you know with, with food with pancakes. He's not saying that. He's he's cutting a very uh, you know a very uh, direct promo against the other guy. Suddenly, all the recycling bullshit is is not around. I, uh, I want to see a YouTube video where he they take him for a tour of access. And he just rants about how they should call this excess and just <laughs> d- destroys like what he did at the Rumble where he like throws the shirts, but just yeah. times 100 where he goes to all the booths, all the ridiculous shit that they put the WrestleMania logo on. That would be great. And, and also, hey, guys, fan access is happening at uh, Brooklyn Seaport. It's going to take hours to get uh, to the actual arena. So much wasted fuel. They should have had this thing in Jersey. Uh, I would be fine if he cut that promo as well. I, I think he did uh, a fairly good job here, much better than Vince has done. My my big issue with this whole storyline is we have not gotten a firm reason why Vince doesn't want Kofi in this match. He has never given us an actual reason. And I think that Daniel Bryan could be digging into the hypocrisy a little bit more of saying that uh, you know, because we've never really been given a reason for like, well, why does why is Vince now okay with Daniel Bryan and not okay with a guy like Kofi? Um, and I feel like Daniel Bryan could be digging his teeth into a little bit more of the hypocrisy about why, like, oh well, when they called me B plus, they were wrong, but when I call you B plus, uh, uh, I'm right. I feel like they could be digging into that a little bit more. So our first match of the gauntlet was Kofi Kingston and Sheamus. This one went about 12 and a half minutes, included Kofi doing a diving trust fall, hit the boom drop, and crowd very much behind him. And you start to see the monitor backstage where the locker room is starting to circle around, including the New Day, the Usos, Hardys, Mustafa Ali. Ends with Sheamus missing with the brogue kick, and Kofi hits him with the trouble in paradise and defeats Sheamus. One thing I didn't like about this, Brian, was that they never explained... What happens if Kofi gets pinned by one of these guys? Is there anything in it for them? Is the match just over? It was like it was all just very much one-sided in terms of the value structure of this match. Kofi wins, he goes on, but the, it was kind of never explained. Like what happens? Uh, we need a challenger. What does Sheamus get if he were to win this match? I think that is the biggest uh, plot hole of this whole thing is that we are now two weeks away from WrestleMania and they have not addressed what will happen at WrestleMania. If Kofi doesn't get this, there is no backup plan. There is no there, there's no suspension of disbelief of being like, well, what does Vince think is going to happen? In fact, I would almost prefer right now if we were getting more of a because, again, we did this exact same gauntlet thing with him a month ago. I almost would have preferred if we were having a mini program right now that he maybe had to get past someone like Randy Orton, especially considering all of their all of their history to to get to that point. I think just throwing this gauntlet in front of him. And again, you're right. I mean, if you had announced that, hey. Whoever pins uh, Kofi in this uh, in this match, they're going to WrestleMania. And that actually would have held true based on how this whole thing ended. But yeah, I agree. I mean, the fact that they have not really presented us a plausible, uh, believable oppor- option of okay, if not Kofi, then who? There's nothing. It, it's just Daniel Bryan has the night off. Yeah, yeah. We're to believe Daniel Bryan just wants the night off. Kofi Kingston and Cesaro. Uh, Cesaro did the swing, 
Cloverleaf gets applied. Kofi escapes out of that, fought back, hits him with the SOS, and pinned him seven minutes, four seconds. Then we go into Kofi Kingston and Rowan, and Rowan showed the most uh, sportsmanlike conduct in the history of WWE because instead of mauling this man, he waited for Kofi Kingston to tie his shoelaces before attacking him at the start of this. A gentleman, that, that Eric Rowan. Listen, I don't know if he knew this. If he had attacked him uh, prematurely, it would have been an automatic DQ. He was waiting until later to, to properly get his licks in. So he then proceeded to throw Kingston into the barricade on the floor repeatedly, got a chair, and nailed Kofi with it, and he's disqualified in a minute 42. And I found it very interesting that of all five men, the guy they would not pin was Eric Rowan. Yeah. The one that felt like the easiest <laughs> to, to pin out of everybody. I thought that was um, interesting that he was the one who got the disqualification of the five, uh, considering you had Joe and Orton to follow with, you know, yeah. significant programs for Mania. And, and listen, I'll give him credit. I, you know, he fluked into the next two wins, but I kind of assumed that Ray and AJ were going to be getting involved. So I'm glad they didn't go that route. Um, the, the super hilarious thing during this entire match, you mentioned locker room filling up backstage. There's one monitor in the Banker's Life Fieldhouse. But they were not circling around the monitor. Uh, No, that way, if they'd circled, everyone would have been able to have a proper line of sight. Instead, because everyone has to watch WWE TVs slightly to the side, people are standing behind other people without a clear – they cannot see the television because they're not allowed to simply stand in front of it. (laughs) Everyone has to stand slightly to the side, so you have EC3 back there. Just no way he's seeing anything other than the back of R-Truth's head. So then Rowan continued to attack him. He had this bear hug and then lifted him with the iron claw and put him through the announcer's desk. Crowd is hating this. And then Samoa Joe comes out and Joe is in control, kills him with this inside out lariat and then applies to Coquina Clutch. It's blocked with a jawbreaker. Joe hits him with a urinagi and Graves says that Kofi just has to accept his fate. Because if not, he won't be able to go to WrestleMania and he won't be able to attend Access. The road to access is the road that doesn't get explored enough from January through the end of March. Uh, But Kofi is putting all of this in jeopardy. Joe sets up for the muscle buster. It's turned into a sunset flip roll up and he catches Joe five minutes, 12 seconds. And then Joe applies the coquina clutch after the match. And Kingston is out cold uh, as the final match is set up. But yeah, interesting here that they had Joe get pinned. I thought it was pretty interesting as well. I mean, I get that. I mean, it would have been great if, like, you maybe could have started with this, but obviously they're sort of building up in star power throughout this whole thing. Yeah, he got a, he got a clean pin, but again, it felt like a fluke. The, these last two really felt like flukes. Yeah, they were um, designed as such, yeah. And, and right. I, can't, I can't knock them because you don't necessarily want to be getting clean wins over both of those guys, but Kofi's also your, your title uh, challenger, which, again, to me would just be – don't think I would have I, I done this gauntlet match. Don't think I would have done this again. Maybe instead do a mini tournament to set up uh, who's going to be facing Daniel Bryan. I just I need I need to be able to believe that something else could be happening at WrestleMania besides this. So Orton is the final opponent. He's beating on Kofi. He yells to the crowd. He's not your guy. Trust me. And then Orton gets sent into the post and 
Kofi avoids the RKO, hits the Trouble in Paradise, but Orton rolls to the floor to avoid getting covered. They go through the break. Orton hits the draping DDT, yells that Kofi isn't going to WrestleMania, calls for the RKO, but Kofi counters with a roll-up, pinning Orton just over 10 minutes. The locker room erupts. The New Day comes out. Corey Graves calls this, wait for it, the greatest performance in WWE history. The greatest. Bar none. I... I... History-making, Brian. A historic performance you got to watch tonight. The greatest ever. Kofi Kingston, Listen, SmackDown, March 19th. I'm honored you asked me to do this this show. Uh, People are going to be going back and listening to this specific episode years from now to get our initial reaction to this. To the greatest performance of all time. Vince McMahon comes out, and he calls it miraculous. Kofi is going to WrestleMania as long as he can beat one more person. And Xavier and Big E are furious and state, well... You two have to leave or else Kofi is going to forfeit. And he wishes Kofi good luck and out comes Daniel Bryan, his final opponent, in order to face Daniel Bryan. So Kofi's placed in the tree of woe. There's a belly-to-back superplex and then the label lock is applied. Kofi gets to the rope, attacks him with the kicks, misses with a head kick, and Kofi hits the SOS. Bryan kicks out of that, hits the running drop kicks, and then Kofi catches him with a roll-up, gets a two-count, and then Bryan executes the stomps. Sets up for the running knee, and I'm thinking in my head, wow, they've got to have some awesome counter planned here for the running knee. But no, he hit the running knee clean and pinned him clean in four minutes. And Daniel Bryan goes off the air. The winner, Kofi Kingston, does not. And I don't know. What did you think of this entire one-hour presentation, Brian, and how they went off the air, extending this by yet another week? I mean, when they finished it, uh, the the actual gauntlet, and he came out and celebrated, I thought, um, okay, and then uh, this is the, what you got to do. And then when Vince came out, I was like, okay, they're going to introduce some sort of, like, fun shade, a, sort of a tease. Maybe he just announces the match. Um, but then going that extra step and having Daniel Br- – to me, I actually think um, what they did at Fastlane – was pretty genius uh, the way that they specifically booked a match knowing it would be rejected because they wanted the audience to get behind Kofi. How and, and that felt a lot more organic um, and, and actually was a pretty good forced recreation of what happened with Daniel Bryan. Now I don't think really anyone buys into, oh man, they keep screwing Kofi. I think everyone just goes, Uh, This is a wrestling storyline. This is how they're killing a couple hours. Clearly, Kofi's going to get this title shot at the end of it all. And this just isn't a believable way to delay it. Plus, we are only two weeks away. So I guess they had to get another week out of it. Um, Yeah. I I think that was the main impetus behind this was just stretch it as long as they can. Here's the thing. Odds are we're probably going to end next week's show with him officially getting the title uh, match. So what do we earn? What do we earn from seven more days? Of of us having this thing possibly in limbo. It's it's so interesting the way WWE books now, where essentially it is, well, everyone knows the match is going to happen, so it doesn't matter if we announce it or not. That's pretty much where their head is at when it, when it comes to something like this. So okay, cool, we're gonna go another another week. Um, I don't know. I I don't know. Isn't what I would do. And what do you do next week? I mean, that's kind of interesting too. The last thing I want is them to do another Kofi Bryan match. Uh, to get in, um, certainly there's creative ways you can come up with it. Um, you the know, maybe you I- could do something where he's given one last chance for this title match, but he's got to beat one of the New Day or something I- like that. 
So here's the thing. I was actually thinking about this. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I think they will do and what they should do. But first, I'll give you my bad idea that popped in my head when I was watching was what if they did a thing where Vince said you can go to WrestleMania if you beat – and this isn't a gauntlet thing. This is just something he does at like the beginning of the show. It says if you beat your opponent for tonight, Big E. But if Big E wins – he gets to face Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania, and all show long, you sort of tease it. There's dissension. Who knows? Vince feels like, aha, I finally you know, pulled one over on them, and don't worry. I might have another trick up my sleeve at the end of it all. Tease it maybe you know, Big E is on Vince's side, and then you just do the finger poke of doom. And they just laugh in Vince's fucking face. And they're like, you can't split us up. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, all for one and one for all. As, as long as one of us goes to Mania, as long as one of us is champion, y- you know, you just don't understand how tight we are. That would probably be a bad idea. What I think, I, that- l- listen, uh, up until the finger poke of doom, I, I I think that there is something you could explore there of the idea that he's got to beat. Let's throw out Biggie. Yeah. That you have to beat him, and also add the caveat that whoever loses this is gone or something. Because uh, yeah. Biggie is not going to have really. You know, he might be thrown into the battle royal. He might be thrown into the tag match. It's not anything significant. That post WrestleMania, that could be something interesting. You obviously bring Biggie back, but maybe that is a chance to to do yeah. something there. I, I mean, th- there's ideas. There's ways there's, you, there's can ways you can get do to it. this. Uh, um, but what I think they will do because they have. Because you remember when Daniel Bryan finally got, you know, the Mania match with, you know, Hunter, I want you. And if I beat you, I get into this match. And the way they did that was by it wasn't him winning a match. It wasn't anything like that. It was they had that big sit in they had that big staged, uh, uh, you know, uh, it was the yes movement. Occupy Raw they had. What I think will happen and what I think could be a really interesting visual is that because the locker room has come out so much in support of him and they've had so many other guys drop references to him into their promo. Yeah, but all the guys do really yeah, threat, threaten to walk out on WrestleMania. Starts, I think next week SmackDown starts and everyone just sits the just sits the show out, or everyone comes in the ring and just does a sit in. And like Vince is like, "Nah, we're gonna do this thing," and like we're we're gonna have this, and like the whole roster just says, "No, we are not gonna wrestle until you give Kofi Kingston his match." I think that is the way that can kind of give. You know, really shows like, hey, we're all behind Kofi. Everyone wants to see this happen. This guy deserves it. We're forcing your hand, Vince. We're forcing you, Daniel. I think that I think if you just put him in another match, he has to win. It'll feel so phony. I think this is a way that you do it. It feels um, it feels organic. It feels real. And it feels like an actual special moment that can be looked back later um, in, in a highlight reel. That's something they certainly played that up big tonight with the whole roster bandying around uh kofi kingston and you had like aj and kevin owens making their comments and stuff so yeah that's uh it's a it's an interesting way to go about it of what they end up uh, doing next week uh to continue this so that was smackdown um your overall thoughts on the show brian uh was this positive show yeah i mean so so easy to to watch and and and, and also because there was the such a lengthy gauntlet match there really wasn't a lot of filler on the show. No, uh, there wasn't out a of purpose. You know, I, I we didn't get a, a check in with Mandy Rose <laughs> at, at any point. I mean, some of the stuff that um, can occasionally drag the show down, we didn't get. And part of it is because SmackDown is two hours versus three hours. But I genuinely think that SmackDown uses their guys a lot better. Uh, and I also think SmackDown just actually has a better roster uh, than than uh, than Raw does right now. And when you on top of that severely limit the number of segments they have to fill yeah maybe aj maybe they could have done something better with aj maybe they could have had a hotter setup 
for um for Ray and and Dominique that could have you know some stuff could have been improved but the show never dragged I never found myself looking at at, at my watch nothing really overstayed its welcome uh, I enjoyed it I enjoyed it, it as you know as it usually is SmackDown was a very easy show to watch. So here are the announced matches for WrestleMania following Tuesday's show. Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins for the Universal title. Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair for the Raw Women's title. Triple H versus Batista. Kurt Angle, Baron Corbin. Shane McMahon against The Miz. AJ Styles versus Randy Orton. Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio. There are a lot of singles matches on this show. Yes. Uh, The Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal with Braun Strowman announced and just made official on 205 Live. Buddy Murphy defending the Cruiserweight title against Tony Nese. Who mm. beat Cedric Alexander on Tuesday? A fresh match. Uh, you know, obviously Cedric's been in the cruiserweight title mix there for a while. Now I'm not advocating for for the show to be longer, but but real quick, just a suggestion before we kind of run down the card. I think that it would actually behoove them to have an actual intermission at WrestleMania. The longer these shows get, I think actually having a declared downtime of ten minutes would not be the worst thing in the world. Like specifically telling people, okay, you can stop watching the show, you can go to the restroom, take a break, recharge, I think would actually go a long way to making this thing not feel like you're looking at your watch all the time. Oh, did I not say that the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal? It is happening, (laughs) Brian. (laughs) But I mean like an actual declared, like, guys, go buy merchandise, go do something. Obviously, everything you can say about the Saudi Arabia shows, and I can't believe this is the one thing I'm saying good about the Saudi Arabia shows, the fact that they were like legally forced to have intermission wasn't the worst thing. Maybe R-Truth and Carmella can run like the seventh inning stretch of WrestleMania <laughs> or whatever the equivalent is in wrestling parlance. <laughs> well, that is, uh, that is a card, and I guess um, it's a long show. It is a long show, and there are many more matches to be added to this. I mean, this is going to be a behemoth of a show. Uh, What are you planning to go to WrestleMania weekend? Are there shows you are planning to attend? Uh, In terms of shows I'm planning of going to, I'm planning to be at Wale Mania, planning to be at MLW. Um, Which night are you going to MLW? I I believe I'm going to be going for – it's Thursday and Friday, right? Yes. I believe I have to be going Friday then because ML because Wally Mania is uh, is Thursday and I uh, have tickets to another show on Saturday. So it's honestly part of the guiding uh, guiding light is sort of like what shows can I get into for free and do I know people there and I kind of feel obligated <laughs> to to make an appearance because there's just so many shows that are happening. Hit, hit up Dominic. Weekend. He's probably got a plus one for Mania. <laughs> Um, you don't think, uh, uh, what's the sister's name? Aaliyah. If only I could have, there you go. I think she'll be taking that one up. But I, uh, you know, kind of my main, my main focus on a weekend like this is, you know, people I don't get to see all that often, people that are specifically in town, um, for this event, that kind of is the main focus. Uh, unlike say, you know, normally when it's some, when it's SummerSlam, Seeing some of the WWE shows is more the focus. Being there for NXT is more the focus. This weekend, not so much. Um, and plus, there's some WWE uh, people who work for WWE who I only get to see when they're in town. And this is one of the few times of the year where they're actually in town for a full week and have the ability to hang out. Usually when they're in a town, they're there long enough to sleep, go to the building, and, and leave. So that's more so what's sort of driving my focus so i can't necessarily say like oh i'm most excited about this card uh it really comes down to to catching up with friends 
All right. Brian, are you able to stick around for feedback? Uh, sure. Yeah, I don't have it up, but I can certainly feedback on feedback. All right. Well, uh, tonight's show, on a scale of 1 to 10, what are you ranking it, Brian? Uh, what do I think they gave it? What, what uh, do you give it on a, a rating scale from 1 to 10? I'd give it a 7. A 7. Wow, the forum pretty much agrees with you. A 7.06 is the average rating that we got tonight for SmackDown. First one here is from Jake. The Miz's promo was excellent, and I think he made a better case for his current character here than Shane did last week. I'm still left feeling that both men might be slightly miscast, but Miz did a nice job establishing himself as a grinder who has had to scratch and claw for all his accomplishments. I might be in the minority in this, but the execution of this Kofi story has been really compelling. But of course, that's a completely cold take given that the same story that's produced every massively over babyface since I was growing up, just like Daniel Bryan's Chase to the Gold in 2014. It ain't rocket science. 7 out of 10. I think Jake like built up his own point and then tore himself down there. If you <laughs> well, liked it, wrestling. you liked it. That's being a wrestling fan. Uh, Paul from New Jersey. What an iconic victory. For weeks now, we've known the iconic were far superior to the boss and hug connection. This show gets a 10 from me. Kofi and KO, KO are cool and stuff as well. In all seriousness, having a great gauntlet match that the fans are invested in, only to swerve at the end, felt very WCW. Just let Kingston have the damn moment. This 55-minute gauntlet match I just watched ultimately means nothing. Kind of killed your own vi- gimmick there tonight, Vince. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this. I think if you're trying to buy another week, there's, I don't know, I think there's better ways of doing it. I almost would have preferred if... Um, Rowan hadn't been in the gauntlet, and maybe he was the one that came out in the end and destroyed him. Uh, I, I, I kind of feel like Kofi and Brian have touched too many times. Brandon from Oshawa. It's funny because I came here after Fastlane and defended the WWE and their booking of Kofi against the bar while so many other people were trashing it. Now here we are today, and people enjoyed the gauntlet while I'm in the minority and absolutely hated it. I could accept two guys beating down Kofi and doing Vince's dirty work. It's not at all believable that Kofi would beat those five guys with no help at all. I would have been fine with two, even three maybe, but they just had to go overkill. And that still isn't enough. I'm nearly over this Kofi push. If they don't give him the shot next week, I'm done with it. And his question is about the G1 Supercard. Do you know if it will be like a regular New Japan event shown on New Japan World where you can watch it right after it has been on live or will it be delayed a bit like some of the other shows they put up? Uh, No, I believe it's going to be airing on... Uh, New Japan World live, so you can watch it just like any other show. I'm under the impression that's how it works uh, for New Japan World that night. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll trust you there. Although, I mean, I got to say big words. He just said if they don't give Kofi the shot, he's done. So he might not be watching WrestleMania. He said it's it. It, it all wrestling, comes down to the March fans never go back on their word episode of SmackDown. <laughs> Rich in Winnipeg, the gauntlet match was booked okay, but when you saw Rowan in the third spot and Orton on last and done seven minutes before the end of the show, you knew something was up. The problem I have with this is that now your title program is officially going to have a one-program lead-in to WrestleMania, and that is something they have had issues with in the past. How are they going to set up Kofi and Bryan is still a mystery. But you think the Miz's promo might lead us to a beatdown of Vince in exchange for a Kofi title shot? And yes, we now have a grown-up Dominic who could be mistaken for Ray's uncle. Otherwise, a decent show with a great promo by The Miz. Eight out of ten. Everyone's predicting violence here for Vince McMahon next week. I mean, I'm going to put my money down on the whole roster stages a sit-in and refuses to... I don't mind that idea, doing something like that where they are threatening to walk out of WrestleMania. I... I like that as something different. I also like it from the perspective of the babyfaces that we are 
we are the stars. We are the ones. We are not just so grateful to be on your platform. It's like we are providing you the platform. We are the stars. And I always like when that is kind of how especially baby faces are positioned. Yeah, I think I, the show starts are all in the ring. You know, Vince is like, you know, whoever attacks Kofi first, I'll give the title shot. No one moves. You know, he offers money. He offers to suspend them. And then just, uh, you know, uh, Kofi says, hey, uh, if you don't give me the WrestleMania title shot, we're all going to take our independent clauses, uh, uh, independent contractor clauses in front of a judge. And then Vince just gives him the, <laughs> the, the shot right away. The only person who I think it'd be very complicated to include in that is Becky Lynch. After doing all of that to get into the match, that she's willing to sit out WrestleMania. I just wouldn't involve the women in that that kind of oh. Kind of angle at all. You know, it, it would be the thing that they do where, uh, you know, none of the top stars are included as part of the roster. It, right, it, it right. Be, it, it's actually funny. This brings up a story. When I was at WWE, do you remember when they did the thing where the entire roster did a walkout to uh, to protest Triple H? Yes. Like being COO? Yes. They specifically, when we did it, uh, it was Cena and Punk cannot be involved because they and Sheamus. They were the three guys that were protected. These are high level baby faces. They don't want to be seen as as like complainers or walking out on someone. So they were the three that did not have to stand on stage during it. Uh, everyone else had to be out there. So you're killing they, your own angle for next week, Brian. I think this is a we're, we're just throwing a wet blanket on this idea now. But here's the thing. They, there's, thinking. there's not many people uh, on SmackDown that they protect to that level. Uh, other than I would say Becky, Charlotte, and maybe uh, AJ would be, uh, and then would be the only like baby faces who would be out there. And Charlotte's, you know, not a baby face anyway. So I think those would be the ones who wouldn't be out there. Other than that, Usos, uh, uh, heavy machinery, you know, ha- have your fill. And they're all wearing AEW shirts next week. <laughs> Andrew from Cape Breton. I only got to watch the gauntlet match, but that was the story of the show. It was a great showing, but I think certain points were a little too much. Rowan slams him through the table. Joe chokes him out, and he's still able to continue. I thought Randy Orton was going to pull a gun on Kofi, shoot him, and then Kofi would kick out just before the three count. Other than that, it was great to give him some wins over people, and Brian swoops in and picks up the scraps. Eight out of ten for that match. I'm glad Kofi is getting the push. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the only thing I have to say is actually off of something you said before that. Do you think with the way WWE has been like going into shoot territory lately with Dixie Carter mentions, do you think they would ever do an allusion to all elite wrestling? Like maybe in that fictional segment that we've come up in our, in our mind, someone even says, hey, you give Kofi the shot or maybe we're all elite or something like that. There's some use of the word elite, because if you remember back when like like TNA was still kind of a thing in the 2000s, they'd say things like, you know, I'll wrestle anyone from any ring with four sides, six sides, or eight sides, or like, you know, I'll have an impact or something like that. Because um, I remember, wasn't there even seemed like Cena cut a promo once where he was like, Vince was threatening to fire him. He's like, well, if you quit me, I might go somewhere and make an impact, brother. Uh, so I just wonder, do you think they would ever make a reference to All Elite at this time? I feel no. I, I think okay. they're very sensitive to AEW at the moment. I think anyone else... Uh, they wouldn't really have any issue bringing that kind of a thing up, but I yeah. feel AEW is kind of a sore spot right now. So instead, it'll be like uh, AJ saying, maybe I'll go evolve my career somewhere else. <laughs> yes, yes. Maybe I'm going to uh, maybe I'm going to go for the G1 or something like that. Yeah. I'll go I... somewhere a little more major league than this place. Yes, you're way better at this game than I am. <laughs> 
Uh, we'll do uh, two more here. Okay. Uh, Peyton Royce looked really green in the ring. She really struggled to run the ropes. It even threw Bailey and Sasha off. Weak-looking win. I'm not looking forward to seeing them compete at WrestleMania. The gauntlet match was not nearly as good as the last one. Felt like the crowd wasn't into it for the most part. Could have benefited from the ring announcer calling falls or at least DQs. This person did not enjoy this. Uh, great performance from Kofi, though, and I like the extra touch of the tag team supporting him in the back. There was a cool shot during the table spot where Rowan did not clear the monitors. So when Kofi landed, one was right next to his head and still went through. Made for a brief, cool-looking double shot. Um, yeah, um, I don't know if that's what they were going for, but they pleased him. And the last one here is from Ventak from Mumbai, India. The Miz's promo was a bit shaky in the beginning, but he finished off really strong. The Iconics versus Banks and Bailey was quite sloppy. I remember there was a four-way at the first War Games takeover where Peyton looked great in that match. I think the multi-person match suits Peyton and Billy much better than a straight-up tag, so them being added to the Mania match might not be too bad. Do you think the U.S. title stays a singles match? Um, Brian, do you th- think it will remain a singles match? I think we kind of talked about it with yeah, the if, Dominic if, if thing Dominic it seems to involved, be yeah and no mention of Andrade tonight R-Truth um like not none of or Ali even like none of those guys were associated with the U.S. title so it seems like it will be a singles match yeah I mean with the sun being involved um it's kind of got to be one-on-one uh, he ends off saying he really liked the story of the gauntlet match with the cutbacks to the locker room supporting Kofi but at some stage doesn't Kofi running the gauntlet over five guys kind of undermine them uh, heading into WrestleMania? And so SmackDown was still a breeze to watch compared to Raw. I shudder to think what will happen at WrestleMania, a six out of 10 show for him. Well, thank you uh, for your feedback all the way from Mumbai. So uh, an interesting episode of SmackDown. I think people mm-hmm. are kind of looking. I think people will ultimately judge this Kofi storyline based on how it uh, ends but you know fast forwarding to wrestlemania do you see this as something that they have to go all the way with kofi winning the title at the end of all this work they've put into it i think at this point yes i don't know what else you're saving daniel bryan up for uh i think he's been a fine uh heel champion but i don't see him as any sort of long-term uh champion someone who needs to have this belt uh and and he's the kind of heel who has so obviously been built up to lose so yeah i I think he needs to lose i I think they you know have a program for a couple weeks uh or a couple probably two months or so and then you know we can spin kofi off to something and and i also i don't know if kofi is you know a long-term uh solution i mean they're they've got a you know they've got something and they're gonna run with it and if it doesn't work um i mean i don't foresee kofi being your champion when smackdown premieres on uh, on fox uh, so maybe we just ride this thing to SmackDown and then uh, it gets put on a, on a larger star um, or at least larger in their eyes. But, yeah, I think you kind of got to go that way. Um, personally, I would have had him win the belt at Elimination Chamber. I feel like that's when he was hottest. Um, and honestly, I think you could have done a thing where he wanted Elimination Chamber and then lost it two days later. And you then build up to a rematch at WrestleMania and you sort of be like, well, was it a fluke? Can he do it again? Um, you know, it'll be very interesting to see how they book a Kofi title reign because um i think he deserves it i think it's worth going with it i don't think this should be a thing where hopefully vince gets to the day and yeah there's some negatives you could say about kofi um you know you could maybe have some doubts about actually pulling the trigger but it's worth doing and i think you should do it and if you get cold feet and you take them take it off them right away okay so be it but i think for the sake of the storyline and for the sake of just not pissing off your audience i think you got to give them the win there 
Well, that is going to bring an end to Rewind to SmackDown. Uh, Brian, it was great catching up with you, and it's always fun chatting with you uh, and getting into your, your mind as you figure out how they are going to put together this mammoth show on April the 7th. Oh, and thank you for having me on. I always enjoy uh, uh, discussing things with you and or way, you know, whenever it works that, that one of you has to uh, uh, take a sabbatical. Well, once Wei gets back from uh, Amsterdam or Hawaii, wherever he is, uh, I'm sure he is very grateful for you uh, filling in tonight. Uh, is there anything you want to mention before we get out of here where people can uh, check out more of Brian Mann? And do you have a uh, one more Brian Mann WrestleMania booking thread before the big show? Oh, I, 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 don't, I don't know. My last one got some, got some negative uh, uh, responses to it. No, I mean, no. I, 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 I think it's... Exactly. I think we're kind of at the point where, uh, no, I mean, I, I, I think, uh, you know, we'll just kind of see how they do everything. I tweeted out something last week while watching Raw, which was, you know, it's mania season. So my desire to enjoy WWE is larger than my desire to be right about WWE. <laughs> so I'll just sit back and see how they book everything. I mean, who knows? Maybe the next day I'll uh, do a thread about how they should have booked Colin Jost and Michael Shea. But uh, for <laughs> now, uh, I, I'm just going to, you know, let, let, let them do their thing, and uh, hopefully everyone can kind of, you know, turn their brain off a little bit and enjoy it, um, because they are doing some very interesting things right now. Uh, as much as I have issues with how they've gotten to the uh, three-way, uh, I think everything they've done on social media has has been great and very forward-thinking, and I think they are actually in the process of building a legitimate star uh, in, in, in Becky Lynch right now. Uh, but besides that, if you want to see that, uh, find me on Twitter at BrianMaxMan. Um, and hopefully I'll have some news to share with you guys. And also see me in person at the live post wrestling podcast <laughs> recording. That is on Sunday, April the 7th, postwrestling.com slash live. And for you, uh, members of the post wrestling cafe, you can head on over now and check out the double shot, uh, which should be up as you're listening to this. Uh, I am solo this week on the double shot going through, Total Bellas, which I watched for Way's sake as well. Uh, Being the Elite, MLW, Impact, lots of stuff covered on this week's edition of The Double Shot. So you can go check that out, postwrestlingcafe.com. And we'll be back on Wednesday uh, with more shows coming your way. Thanks for listening.